new life series and today I'm going to be speaking about the Holy Spirit um, because one of the things we haven't touched on so far is the Holy Spirit and what he gives in terms of new life into our lives and we've tried over these last um, few weeks to present you with how the first Christians, the early church we call them, got new life in Jesus and roll on 2,000 years and nothing has changed. Exactly the same way that they received new life is the way that we should receive new life today as well. And so we've, look, we've looked together, I'm not going to go over this, about being born of the Spirit and being born again by believing and repenting and Jesus coming and transforming our lives. We looked very briefly at baptism and talked about how water baptism is so crucial in order for us to enter into everything that God has for us. James touched on this last Easter Sunday about the fact that when you identify in baptism, you, you have newness of life, it says. You not only go down in the water to identify with his death, but also you're raised again to newness of life, which we're called to live in. And of course, Easter is an, an amazing occasion in terms of the resurrection of Jesus. And why is that important? Well, none of us today would even get any of these unless Jesus was, was alive. So Easter's vital because the resurrection reminds us that Jesus has the power to change people. He has the power to heal people. He has the authority, actually, and the power to invade people's lives when we come. So we believe and repent. So what else do we do? Well, not a lot, because he does the rest. Because he's alive, and he can breathe life, and he can forgive sins, and he can renew people and transform them beyond recognition, actually, because that's the power of the resurrection of all that Jesus has for us. He has the power to give us new life. And if you just look at Romans chapter eight, if you're following me guys at the back, I've already skipped a few. Romans chapter eight and verse 32, just says this about Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, he has... God gave his son, Jesus has come as as the son of God into the world, and this is an amazing promise. Will he not also, if he can give you his son, why can't he give you everything else that the Bible promises for us today? Well, the answer is, yes, he can. Why? Because he's risen from the dead. He's actually ascended on high, and he's able to give good gifts to his children. And one of the things that he gives is a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. And all you need to to qualify to receive the Holy Spirit is to be a child of God. So it's interesting now, worship, this kind of sense of not overcomplicating things and being knit in our mother's womb and being childlike is one of the ways in which we receive the promises of God. It's one of the ways we receive the Holy Spirit. How do you receive promises? The Bible says you receive them by faith. And so if the Father has promised you something, all that's required of you is to reach out and receive the gift that God has promised uh, by faith. 
And so Easter is the resurrection. It doesn't finish there. Jesus has then ascended on high. And, and, and it says in, in Scripture, then he pours out his Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, it happened, and 2,000 years later, nothing has changed. He is still pouring out his spirit to those who ask that they might receive his power. It's just the same today. Jesus said to his disciples, actually, don't go yet, just, just wait. Why? Because you need power, and the way you're going to get power is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and exactly the same is true for us today. The interesting thing is a lot of people who are Christians get the born again bit, they get the baptism bit, although some of them do struggle a bit with baptism. Please don't struggle with baptism, it's straightforward. If you become a Christian, you need to be baptised. Those who believe get baptised. You say, well, I don't want to stand in front of all these people and give my testimony. Do you know what? You don't really have to do that. Write it out. Someone else will read it. We'll video it these days, even for you, before the meeting starts. You can just get dunked. I'm not even that bothered about you know, what you say or what you don't say. The issue is you need to be baptised if you're a follower of Jesus. And the two, goes to get, two go together. Believers get baptised. If you've never been baptised, please get, get baptised. It's so important. You know, a friend of mine many, many years ago said, I said, have you been baptised yet? He said, no, I'm just praying about it. And I thought, I don't know what you're praying about. You know, because he was kind of praying. You need guidance for a lot of things. The one thing you don't need guidance for is baptism. When I meet Christians like this, I thought, I I'm a bit cheeky. I kind of want to say, oh, really? We're praying about whether to be baptised or not? So I put my arm around. Let's pray together. The Lord said to me, yes. What has he said to you? <laughs> it's kind of like, that's a done deal, right? It's important to be baptised if you're a believer. But then Christians get a bit, I don't know, a bit kind of strange about the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it depends what kind of background you come from, the kind of theology you've heard. And we get kind of a bit confused. And I want to encourage you today, it's going to be very simple, that when we understand God's purposes for our lives, the Spirit of God comes in us when we are saved. Okay? It talks in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16 about the fact that we can't cry out Abba Father unless the Spirit of God has come to us. In fact, the Spirit, it says in these verses, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that happened the moment you got saved. The Spirit of God came and dwelt within you. Hallelujah. Why we get confused about the Holy Spirit is a bit of a mystery because he's already in you. Maybe it's because although he's already in us, we've yet to really encounter him in all his fullness. And, and, and if you've been around this church for, for, for long enough, you'll know that we often uh, make this statement, so I'll make it again. Conversion, that work of the Spirit, isn't actually about the Spirit. It's about Jesus. It's about having your sins forgiven. You're not even thinking about the Holy Spirit. It, the Spirit is glorifying Jesus at that moment that you're converted. So you're not encountering the Spirit, you're encountering Jesus, and it's all about your sins being forgiven and knowing that you're a child of God. So an encounter of the Holy Spirit has yet to happen. It's a work of the Spirit, but we now need to encounter this person, the Holy Spirit. And the encounter comes by the coming upon of the Spirit for power. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit which was different from your conversion or your water baptism. And 
And this is so important that we understand the separation. Nicky Gumbel says it's like this. If you've got a boiler in your house and the boiler is lit, the pilot light, I'm not an engineer, I'm not going to go down this too far, I'm just mentioning it. So the boiler, the, the pilot light is lit, okay? But then there has to come that moment where there is this vvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvvv
And this pattern of repent, be baptised and receive the Holy Spirit is, is kicked off in this particular chapter. Let's just look at a couple more illustrations. So Acts chapter 8, the Christians are scattered. They go proclaiming the gospel and the gospel comes to Samaria, to Gentiles, to people who are not Jews or followers of the Jewish nation. Acts chapter 8 verse 12 but when they heard Philip, he was an evangelist, he, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Verse 14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now look, this is very important. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they'd only been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So here we have a classic situation. These are definitely people who have repented. They have believed in Jesus. They've been born again. They've even been baptised in water, but they haven't yet been baptised in the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John come down and lay hands on them that they might receive the Spirit. So it's obvious that in New Testament Christianity, they were very, very keen that people should be clear on their conversion, clear on water baptism, and clear on receiving the power of the Spirit. If you go over to Acts chapter 10, this is a very weird passage of Scripture. I love weird passages because this messes with your theology. <laughs> So there's this guy Cornelius, he's not a, he's not a, again, he's not a Jew, and he, he gathers all his mates around because he's heard about Jesus and he's been crucified and he's supposedly raised from the dead and he's absolutely intrigued and gets Peter to come to his house, which is radical enough in itself. And just imagine, and he invites all his friends and the neighbours and the goats, and you know, just, you've got to imagine the Middle East. I've been in meetings like this. Everything's kind of crowded round. It's packed out. Verse 44 of Acts 10. While Peter was still saying these things, which was the gospel, right? He's preaching the gospel. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. <laughs> That's strange, right? What that means is they had been convicted by what was being preached and somehow, we don't know how, they were repenting and they were believing the message. And the moment they were believing it, the Spirit of God just fell upon them. And the believers from among the circumcised, that's the Jews who had hung out with, with Peter to go there, who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. There you go. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized. I'd love to do that. Command people to be baptized in the name of Jesus. We're English, so we don't we say, if you'd like at some time to have a chat with your mum and dad and come and talk to us. But anyway, and, and he commanded them to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ and they asked him to, to you know. So the pattern should be repent, be baptised, receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they repent, the Spirit falls upon them. But here's the point I want to make. So immediately, wow, it's the real deal. You guys need to be baptised. Whatever way you look at it, these early Christians are just besotted with getting this thing right. That's important for something I'll say just in a moment. 
One other passage, Acts chapter 19. Believe you me, you can go right through all of these, uh, uh, these accounts and Acts and the epistles and you'll find the same story over and over again. So Acts 19 verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's important because believing and receiving is different. Okay? He said, well, I believe. Yeah, but have you received? They're not the same thing. So sometimes people say to you, when you become a Christian, you've received everything. That's just not there in Scripture. When you become a Christian, there's more to receive later. And, and so we've got this strange situation. Paul's not even quite sure whether they're the real deal. Something's missing. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Maybe he's discerning something's not quite right. And they said to him, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, and into what were we baptised? And they said, into John's baptism. Okay, we just need to back up here a little bit and do a bit of theological exercise with you. And Paul said, John baptised with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was to come after him, that is Jesus. Whoa! On hearing this, they were all baptised into Jesus and into his name. Look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. I mean, it, it just... Whichever way you cut it, this is the pattern that is there in Scripture. We're a word-based church, so we've got to look at it and we've got to move on on that course. And it's important for us to understand that this is God's will for us, every one of us, all these years later. How do you know when you've received the Spirit? I think there are fundamentally two ways. Number one, you know because something happens to you on the inside of your being. You're flooded, you're empowered, you're assured. You know there's something going on that wasn't going on before people prayed for you. It's tangible, it's real, it's subjective, but you just know something tangible has happened on the inside. You may be flooded with love. You may be flooded with peace. You may be flooded with the sense of, 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 of a greater knowledge of God. You may have this compulsion to want to tell everybody about Jesus. Living waters, it describes, whatever that is flowing from within you is what you feel when you get baptised in the Spirit. But then there's the outward confirmation of what's happening inwardly. And the outward confirmation is often, you know, if you could just, I mean, just look at me for a moment. If I'm getting flooded, 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 is it all going to stop just here? Because it seems to me that there just needs to be an overflow. People were so struck when they saw people being baptised in the Holy Spirit, they could tangibly see the difference. And it may be an emboldened sense of witnessing to all your friends about Jesus. It may be such love is in your heart, you just want to overflow with love and compassion for those who are around. It may be that the life within you is just so amazing that it's seen by others beyond you. It may be that you speak in tongues and you prophesy, which is often the case in Scripture. It's just that moment of, it's come this far, something overflows. It's an outward as well as an inward. But here's the deal, there's no blueprint. 
This is not a formula. There are lots of people in this room who've been baptised in the Spirit. We got you up here and said, give us your testimony. You'd be amazed how different all the testimonies are. Some people, it was a very quiet, simple experience of God coming upon them. Other people, it was just dramatic. They were absolutely pinned to the wall. They couldn't move because the Spirit of God came upon them. Some it's a very quiet experience. Some it's a very loud experience. Some people have remarkable experiences of God and some it doesn't feel very remarkable, but the tangible results are remarkable. So there's no kind of one thing. Here's the concern of the early church and ours as well. The main thing they were concerned about is that nobody coming to Jesus would be shortchanged from experiencing the fullness of new life, which has been what we've been looking at the last five weeks. New community church is exactly the same. We just don't want anybody to be shortchanged. And there are thousands and thousands of churches just like ours who are very passionate about people being born again and being baptised in water and being dramatically empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. So someone gets saved and we talk to them and we lead them to Jesus. And we talk to them about being baptised in water because it's so important you're now a follower of Jesus. We mustn't shortchange people and stop there. We must then say to them, oh, by the way, there's something else. I've actually been with new Christians who've been baptised and they've tapped me on the shoulder and said, and there's something else you're not telling us about, isn't there? I said, what do you mean? Well, I don't know, but you did something else. So, okay, well, it's the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I thought we'd leave that for a year or two before we got to it. But now you've mentioned it, why don't we get on with this right here and now? Because that's what seemed to happen in the New Testament. So it's new believers. They need the power of God as soon as they possibly can. But it's not only that. It could be that you've been a Christian for years and years and years. And you never heard this stuff before. You didn't know that there was this. So you could have been a Christian for many years and you still must not be shortchanged. But you must receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. When I was baptised in the Spirit in the early 70s, it was at a time when I was, sur- I was a young person, because <laughs> I was only 18, and, and I was surrounded by older people. And these older people have been wonderful, faithful servants of God for 20, 30, 40 years. And they heard this stuff for the first time and they were getting baptised in the Holy Spirit. I always think of that, wow. You've been a Christian for 30 years and you're, 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 you're humble enough to say, do you know what? I've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then church kids. There's not many of them here because they're all out of the back. But that's an important thing, you see, because they come to a place where you can't survive at school or wherever you are on your mum and dad's faith. It just doesn't work. So you need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God within you yourself and not just because you go to a church like this. Let me finish by, which doesn't mean very much by the way, but let me finish by saying (laughs) this is what the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, what does it give you? I want to whet your appetite for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If If you're sitting here today thinking, do you know what, this really makes sense. I can see it in the Bible. But I've never really experienced this. The baptism in the Spirit gives certain things. The first thing is this, confidence. 
and it's confidence in the person of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember I said earlier that when you got born again, you weren't experiencing the Spirit because it was about Jesus? And then when you get baptised in the Spirit, it is about encountering this person called the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what happens is, oh, now I know this person, the Holy Spirit. It's like a beginning of a relationship that's about to grow. When you get baptised in the Holy Spirit, it's important that you understand this is not the end, it's only the beginning. And what you then need to do is go on being filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Which is why the Bible talks about walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, live by the Spirit. And I'm so grateful to God as an 18-year-old at a youth camp, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. I was passionate about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I absolutely believed in it. <clears throat> the, only thing, the only problem was I wasn't yet baptised in the Holy Spirit, even though I believed in it. I was so passionate about it and so believed in it, I was actually baptised in the Spirit, praying for a friend of mine to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, even though I wasn't. And while I prayed for him, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. But I'm so grateful that very early on we realised the Holy Spirit is not just an experience. He's a person. So getting to know this person through this experience, you roll on all these years later, and what my experience of the Spirit now is today is just as important as that first day. I have friends who got baptised in the Spirit powerfully, and they're nowhere in God right now. It's not a guarantee of perfection. It's not a guarantee that this is going to sail you through your Christian life. Why? Because he's a person, not just an experience. <clears throat> and you get confident when you get baptized in the Spirit that this person I can really get to know for the rest of my life. <clears throat> Secondly, it's about power. It really is. It's about, you know, it says in Acts 1, when you receive the Spirit, you will, you will have power to be my witnesses. So you get power from the Holy Spirit to be a witness. You can't witness in your own strength. We need God's power to come upon us. But it's not only power to witness, it's power to transform you on the inside. It says in Ephesians 3 that, that we'll be strengthened by the power of the Spirit in our inner man. When you become a Christian, you bring a whole load of baggage with you into the kingdom of God. It may be your past, it may be your upbringing, it may be trauma, it may be addictions, it may be habits, it may be all kinds of things. And the Holy Spirit has, a, has the power to do a continual work in your life to, to remove all of those things. And then we also have the power of the Spirit to overcome the lies and the power of the devil. He has power too. But when the Spirit of God comes upon us, he empowers us to witness. He empowers us by changing us on the inside, but he empowers us as well to have to be more than conquerors and have authority over the lines of the enemy. Number three, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit brings freedom and it brings liberty and he brings joy. And you begin to express that freedom, liberty and joy when you were baptised in the Holy Spirit. It's not that Christians don't express those things when they're not. It's just, I'm just saying that this is to whet your appetite when you do. If you're someone here today that thinks, I'm just dull, I'm nervous, I, I, just, I just could never raise my hands, I can't express joy, uh, I, I'm just somebody who's just kind of like this. I want to really encourage you to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. You know, some, when, you, when you look at those, swimming, uh, those slimming magazines, 
you get pictures of the before and the after. You've seen them. And we always look at the before one. Oh, really? And then there's this amazing model next to them. It's the same person. It's amazing. I've seen people <coughs> baptised in the Holy Spirit, and it's literally the before and the after. You see them, the kind of people, they are locked up, kind of, you know, dull, you know, never really expressing very much. Baptism of the Spirit can set people free and give them a fresh joy and a fresh reality and expressing joy in what God has done. The fourth thing is this, we're nearly done. If you get baptised in the Spirit, it just is an overflow into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. New Community is not a contemporary modern church. We are a full-blown charismatic community and there's a difference. If we are lively, it's not because of our personalities, it's because the Spirit of God has come upon us and one of the ways that we express the baptism of the Holy Spirit is begin to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Start to do what Jesus did. Pray for people who are sick that they might be healed. Set free. Preach good news to the poor. We could say this is a whole new sermon, but we won't go there. Number five, the abundance of the fruit of the Spirit is obvious. When you get baptised in the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit has the opportunity to really be on display. And primarily... It's about love, which is why in 1 Corinthians 13, sandwiched between instruction on how to move in the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12 and chapter 14, it talks all about you can speak in tongues, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. So love is the sign of being baptised in the Holy Spirit, and love and joy and peace and character is more important than the gifts. So we need to hold those things in tension. And the final thing is this, an ongoing dependency on the helper, the Holy Spirit. You get to realise soon in the Christian life that you can't do the things that God asks you to do in your own strength. And of course you can't, which is why he gives you the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. I just don't know how to pray. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Pray in the Spirit. I don't understand the Bible. Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand the word of God? And all those weird Christians that are in my community that I'm supposed to love, I just don't know how to do that. Well, try the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives you love, kindness, generosity, patience, self-control with the relationships you have with other Christians. In fact, I can't think of a single thing in the Christian life that doesn't need the helper to come and help us to live the Christian life. And that's true if you're married, it's true if you're single, it's true if you've got kids. We need the Holy Spirit to help us in every area of our lives. So how should we respond to this? Well, I think that this thing of being repentance, being baptised in water and being baptised in the Spirit should just become part of our everyday language. It should be part of our culture it should be part of who we are. We should often talk to people unashamedly. Have you been baptised in water yet? Why not? Well, it's not a, you know, it's not a, you're not out to get them. You just, you just don't want to shortchange them. And when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's just like you kind of want to talk about that. Have you received the Spirit since you believed? Have you ever asked anyone that question? I'm married to somebody who asks that question almost all the time, sometimes over the meal table. Guests come round, we got to the main meal, we've got through the hors d'oeuvres, and Liz will say, uh, can you just tell me when you were baptised in the Spirit? And I'll go, oh no, I'm just enjoying my meal right up until that moment. Because you know at that moment, it's going to cause the person to give an answer, and depending on how they answer, <laughs> will give you the the sense of whether that's true or not but I love it actually 
it's just good sometimes to just prod and provoke one another. And be kind to one another without saying, have you received the Spirit? Have you been baptised in water? Are you born again? These are good questions that we need to ask. So the main response from today is this. On Tuesday night, this week, and on Wednesday night, we're all gathering here as a church together. 7.45 the doors open, 8 o'clock it starts, and we're just going to give the two evenings over for anybody who wants to respond to what we've been sharing throughout today. And it's going to be a wonderful time because actually to put time aside is not to try and make something happen. No one is going to try and make something happen. But it's just an opportunity to come before God and make space for him and invite him to come. And if you want to receive the Spirit, all you've got to do is pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, I just want more of you. And we'll have the joy of laying hands on you and praying for you that you might have an encounter with him. So who should come on Tuesday and on Wednesday? Or Wednesday, should I say. Or if you're like me, you're just too hungry, you've got to come to both of them. The first is this. If you know that you have not yet been baptised in the Holy Spirit, we would love to make space to pray for you. And if you come on Tuesday and on Wednesday, we will just gather around you in a very safe environment and we'll just lay hands on you and pray. We'll we'll do a little bit of instruction so that people can be baptised in the Holy Spirit. So please come. If you want to, please come. We'd love to pray for you. Second group of people are those who are just not quite sure. (laughs) you, You kind of think, well, I've had experiences of the Spirit, but I just don't know whether I've been filled or baptised in the Spirit. We would love to pray for you as well. Some of you just don't, just not quite sure. Well, come and get sure, because that's, that's not shortchanging you, right? That's really helping you on that journey. I think other people should, should come and get prayed for if you know that you've received the Spirit, but you just haven't got that freedom that I was talking about earlier. It hasn't kind of broken through. And for some of you, it is to do with the gift of tongues. Some of you need to come and get prayed for. I, I, I know I'm filled with the Spirit, but I just need this overflow and we would love to pray for people on Tuesday and Wednesday just to express in languages that God gives and he will if you will begin to open up to him and the last group of people that should come are people who know this stuff and are baptised in the Holy Spirit and know it but if you're really honest and it might be a COVID related issue it's just become dry I spoke to someone this morning at the end of preaching this. He said, I'm coming on Sunday because I'm just so dry. I need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, come and pray for everybody else and we'll make sure we pray for you at the end. <laughs> it's kind of like no one gets out without being prayed for. And some of us are disconnected from the Spirit. We've known it in the past. Can I encourage you to come and get reconnected just by being in an environment where people pray? that God will come and meet with you. Hallelujah. Amen. That's how we're going to respond. The meeting's almost over. For those of you doing DNA, you'll be going somewhere else. And you know, But I want you to get here on Tuesday and Wednesday. Can I just share with you three verses, guys? I think you've got them. And could you just write these down or stick them on your phone, okay? And the reason I'm doing this is because between now and Tuesday or Wednesday, for those of you that are going to come, I'd like you just to meditate 
and think and pray about some of these verses and respond to them before you even come to the meetings because this is where faith comes from. So the first is, if I can get up on the screen, so I can't remember what it was. No, I'm only joking. John chapter 7, verse 37, where Jesus says, Come, all who are thirsty, and drink, and rivers of living water will flow from you. I think you should meditate on that. Because when you come, you're not coming to me, you're not coming to a leader, you're coming to Jesus. Jesus baptises in the Holy Spirit, we don't. Only he can do that. But you need to come and you need to be thirsty. So turn up thirsty, expectant, you know, hungry, and then drink. I said to the kids on Friday night, you know, how many of you are good at asking for presents before Christmas? All the hands, I said, how many of you asked more than once? All the hands went up again. Because, you know, it's important. So come and ask. But sometimes we need to learn how to receive. And if you get a present from me with your name on it, and I promised to give it to you and said, it's yours, and I offer it to you. Not a lot of us are going to stand looking like this. We're going to reach out and grab it, which is exactly how you get baptised in the Holy Spirit by faith. Next verse is this, Luke eleven thirteen. You know, how earthly fathers know how to give gifts to us. How much more does your heavenly Father long to give you the Holy Spirit? What a wonderful promise. So I come in a meeting, I'm not twisting God's arm. I'm saying, Lord, you long. Here I am, your child, I receive. And the last is important, it's John 1, 29, 32 to 34. And it's that wonderful moment where John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, looking at Jesus. But it ends with, I baptise you in water, but he will baptise you in the Holy Spirit. And Christians, we can't have one without the other. We can't all get excited that, oh, look, he's, I love Jesus. He's the Lamb of God that's taken away the, my sins. And I'll finish there. No, you need to know he's the one who also baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that we live in days where we've been battered and bruised in all sorts of ways over these last couple of years, we're grateful that there are moments now when we can come to you and be refreshed and restored and renewed. And there's no greater way to do that than to come before you and to say, please, would you give us more of the person of the Holy Spirit? For some for the first time, for others who've not sure to get sure, for others who have been filled with the Spirit but it's all got a bit disconnected and dry, come again, light those fires within us, we pray. Lord, I, I look to you and say, please, Lord, would you fulfill your word amongst us as your people in these coming days. May many in this church have fresh encounters with you, from the youngest to the oldest. May we as a church be filled with your Holy Spirit. And it's wonderful, Lord, that we can get to know you and it's wonderful that it changes our lives. But above all, we ask that you will do this not for our sake, but for the sake of those who don't yet know you. That as a church, we might be so filled with the Spirit that we'll go on mission together and see a transformation to those who are your children and your children's children and even those who are far off, way, way out, never even heard of Jesus, that they might come to faith in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.